and gentlemen, the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast is on the air. It's another week. I'm Elio. He's Ben. Ben, how's it going? Well, very good, considering we had to redo this uh, podcast intro because you decided to put some whiskey in your uh, insurer bottle there. Yeah, I got, I got the whiskey going. No, um, it's not whiskey, it's tequila. Well, tequila, I've heard tequila is better than whiskey, so. Uh, so, yeah, I, I only drink the good stuff. No argument for me there whatsoever. What wasn't good stuff, though, my friend, was the vast majority of WWE television this week. Uh, so uh, we will uh, get into plenty of that. And in, in, in addition to our normal coverage, uh, we will be going over um, a retro pay-per-view review and this time we have unfortunately landed back in Florida. Um, and this time it is in 1999 at the uh, Bash at the Beach, uh, oh which, which was an absolutely horrid uh, pay-per-view, and I'm beginning to have nightmares every time oh, somebody wow. mentions the word Florida. So. Now, now let me ask you this. Did you watch that pay-per-view? Uh, no, because even even back when I was 11 years old at this point, I, I knew to stay the fuck away from WCW because it sucked. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so would you go back and watch it now? I, I, I didn't see this pay-per-view either. Um, what I, I, I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to, uh, to watch it because why am I going to uh, waterboard myself? Yeah, don't torture yourself. So, no, to answer your question, I wouldn't. All right. <laughs> okay, so we say we get into this week's uh, show and all the horrid wrestling that we saw, if you can call it that. Oh, God, is, it, is this what passes for wrestling in 2020? <laughs> because, oh, God, I, you know, if, if I could describe uh, 2020 in a feeling, it would be dry heaves. Oh, because oh it, this is just fucking terrible. <laughs> uh, Elio will be leading off our uh, show this evening with his take on Monday Night Raw. So, Elio, take it away. Monday Night Raw for this week. So our show kicks off with the return of Heath Slater, the one-man band. Oh, God. And our opening match was Drew McIntyre defeating Heath Slater in 24 seconds. Okay, can I, can I just can I just say, because mm-hmm. I, I am the color commentator on this, on this type, on this show. Yeah, you're Bobby Heenan. Yes, I'm the most entertaining and the most good-looking son of a bitch. My God, I won the lottery. 
Anyway. Um, <laughs> yes, just in case you didn't know that. Um, so, by itself, this is a really good promo. Uh, you know, between uh, Drew and, and Heath Slater. But can somebody explain to me why this promo is being wasted on a Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler program? Because if there was ever a placeholder championship match that ever existed in in this modern era, this is it. I mean, this, this is... This is Dolph's token uh, WWE championship match for the year. I mean, last year we got it with um, with Kofi Kingston, and this year we're getting it with Drew McIntyre. You know, so like I said, you know, I don't mind the interaction between Heath Slater and um, and Drew McIntyre. It's just that if you're going to do that, you know. You could have you could have done it in a much higher profile uh, feud, and you didn't ha- you didn't have to bring the man back when when he when he's fired, and and his and his contract is going to expire on you know July eighteenth. And the only reason you bought him back was to have him lose in 24 seconds. I mean, what does that do for Drew McIntyre or the WWE Championship? I have, it just, I have, I have a question. Why, why did they even have a, a match? Why, how did this even happen? Or was, Well, <laughs> I, I missed the segment. Uh, I'm glad... Segments. I'm glad you asked that because the the reasoning that was given uh, was Drew McIntyre promised that he slayed her a match right before he got released when they both um, when they both appeared on the bump. Oh, okay. with, uh, see, I see. I, I don't watch the bump. Well, I got news for you. Nobody watches the fucking bump. <laughs> so why is it even still on? I'm always getting notifications on my iPad about the bump is on the air right now. The the the, 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 the only bump that uh, that 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 show actually needs is the bump that sends it off of off of television and off of my internet and out of my memory. Seriously, man. No one really watches that. I, I don't think there's one person that really watches that show from beginning to end. Come on. Well, it, well and it was the same when Backstage was on the air. Nobody gave a fuck. I, I, you know what? I never, I've never seen a single episode of Backstage. <laughs> well, you're not, well, you're not going to anymore because it was canceled. Yeah. No, but I'm saying when it was on, I never watched a single episode. Neither did I. All right. So, um... <laughs> In our next match, Kyrie Zane defeats Sasha Banks by disqualification in 1320. All right. Um, I'm confused. Um, I thought Kyrie Zane was on her way out of WWE. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought as well. Because I thought she was going back to Japan. You know, so it, it, it's, just, it's very uh, confusing to me. 
I mean, um, I'm, I'm not complaining that she's still around because I like I mean, everything, no, but but no, yeah, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I I absolutely love Kyrie Zane and the way that they've treated her since since she was bought out from NXT has been absolutely criminal. Um, but I did that was my understanding was because it was a big story, uh, you know, last week that. Um, Kyrie Zane was going back to Japan and retiring within a year, and now she's back on television. So it's a little, it's a little bit off-putting. Right, then we have a tag team match: Kevin Owens and Rey Mysterio defeating Murphy and Seth Rollins in eleven thirty-four. You know, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm growing impatient with the storyline mm-hmm. because I like. Dominic's involvement, um, but for one thing, they've yet to explain or or offer up any theories as to what the greater good is. So, what does this feud? You know mean? what? You know what? The yeah. greater good. I swear, if they do this, I was just thinking about this, and I was actually watching. A clip, the clip from the June 7, 99 episode of Raw with the reveal of the higher power. If they bring someone out and call them the greater good, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw something at my TV. Well, just make sure it's a thumb brick so you can oh still watch TV. God. They better not bring a mirror the Ministry of Darkness because you can't, you can't relive that. Episode. Well, you no. you, can, you can't do that in 2020 and get away with it. I know. So, um, this is the but, greater but the, good. But the thing is, okay, so that's that's my first complaint. What the hell is a um is the greater good? Hold on, before you go on, ju- 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 just a fantasy book. Who would who who would be the greater good? Um, anybody that could get Seth Rollins off my TV. Um, I I don't know. I honestly, because I, I have no theories. Neither do I. <laughs> you, you uh, I mean? Okay, um, go. Point number two. Go on. Uh, and and point number two. It was a, it was officially confirmed that Mysterio and Rollins will be uh, facing off. Um, in an eye for an eye match, at what is at what is being billed as the horror show at Extreme Rules, and hold on, just to be clear, it's the horror show, not the horror show. Yeah, well, that's that's. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, Canella. But um, yes, the horror show. Anyway, um, so it's just stupid. Like the, the whole title is stupid. But but <laughs> let me let me let me let me explain to you just how stupid this <laughs> truly is because <laughs> because the company has has explained to us that. Indeed, the match will not end until one of the combatants loses their eye. Yeah, apparently um, they're going to do CGI effects. 
How? Fuck off. This is just dumb as fuck. I, I, you know, I hate this shit. Um, it really, it really bothers me. Uh, and number, uh, actually, the third point that you you could also bring up is, you know. I don't know if you knew this, but Mysterio is working without a contract, apparently. So he's working this whole uh, storyline without a contract. And I, I find that really weird. So the only, the only plausible explanation that I can think of um, would be that he's doing it for um, the betterment of his son Dominic. Well, he's not doing it for The Rock. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, I had to. Well, no, but you know, because the way that I would, the way that I would book this storyline is have um, is have Dominic fight on behalf of his dad, but then get kind of like seduced slash hoodwinked into joining the um the uh you know the ministry so to speak so well, well, do you so do you think uh he's gonna join at the show i don't know if he's gonna join at this show but i i think or could I, or, or could it maybe be the following night on raw well, it, it it could be that, or they could draw it out until until SummerSlam. Uh. <sighs> yeah, well, that's that's my whole entire reaction to this. We follow this up with another tag team match: Bobby Lashley and MVP defeating Cedric Alexander and Ricochet in six forty-five. And um. Actually, you know, uh, the, the the bigger story happened after the match with uh, with um, MVP introducing the new United States Championship. Oh yes, uh, what, what do you think of this belt? I I don't I don't know. It, it looks kind of uh, it looks kind of cheap to me. To okay, let me let me let me ask you this. The TNT Championship or the new United States Championship? Uh, I I take I would take the uh, U.S. title over the TNT title. Yeah, the that TNT title it looks horrible. Well, and, but like my my thing with that one was like you know AEW has said numerous times that the um, that the title was unable to be complete because yeah. of the uh-huh. sure. of the you know after effects of like the CV or whatever. You know, people can work. There's a little something called people working from home. I don't know if they're aware of that. Well, I, I don't know. They're, they're clearly they're not aware of some things. But the <laughs> the, the, the thing that that bothers me is. Especially this company, when you're so kind of like new and still in your infancy, why would you introduce a title of that level of importance when it wasn't complete and have it look like shit on TV? Um, So that bothers me. Um, 
But, you know, it, it's, just, it's just one of those things. So if I had to pick one, I'd pick the U.S. title. Um, but no. still, you know, I'm not really I'm, – I'm not really thrilled with it. Now, now, what is going on? Three tag team matches in a row. Well, and, and, to, me, to, and to me, Elio, and I'm glad you brought this up because I was thinking the same thing as, as I'm watching this. Uh, you know, that's just lazy booking at, at, it, at its highest order because, yep. you know, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't mind tag team wrestling at all. I'm actually, I'm actually one of the bigger proponents of, of tag team wrestling that you'll ever talk to. I love tag team wrestling. Uh, that's part of what made me fall in love with the wrestling in the in the '90s. You know, I was, I was a big, uh, you know, Public Enemy guy. You know, I was a big, um, you know, Harlem Heat uh, Public guy. Enemy. Public Enemy. What? Yeah, and um, <laughs> I, uh, Rock you know, rocking Johnny Grunge. Absolutely, and uh, <laughs> you know, Har- and Harlem Heat was actually one of my uh, first loves in pro wrestling. So, I have a soft spot for tag team wrestling. But the way that WWE has their tag team division, if you can even call it one, um, it, it's just a joke, really. And in um, and in this one we had. Andrade, Angel Garza, and Randy Orton defeating the Viking Raiders on the big show. Well, and this could be Legacy 2.0. This could be uh, what they decide to do with... um, Hold on. I'm confused. I'm looking at this website. Yeah. Okay, count with me. Andrade, Angel Garza, and Randy Orton. That's three, right? Yeah. Eric Ivar and the Big Show. That's six, right? Yeah. So, well, oh, no, okay. I misread. They made this, they made it look like an eight on my screen. Oh, okay. All right, so, yeah, that's that one. Our next match was simply, I'm not going to say it. I'm not gonna say it. I'm just gonna say Billy Kay defeated Ruby Riot in 240. That was atrocious. <laughs> that was a travesty. You know, because can I can I bring the statistics to your attention? All right. You're a, you're a big statistics guy, especially with the uh, with the indie spotlight and everything. All right, sir. So since Ruby Riot's return to Raw, she is 0 and 12. Wow. Oh. Oh. That is. That's terrible. That is embarrassing. She needs to get the fuck away from that company as quickly as humanly possible because the way that they are treating her. It's a joke. Okay, I'm just looking up uh, Billy Kay's like uh, stats and curiosity. Yeah, she was actually in ROH. I must have missed that. Yeah, let me uh, let me look that up real quick. Oh well, she only had two matches: ROH Ring of Homicide, two in 2008, and ROH Driven in 2008. 
she lost to Daisy Hayes, and in the in the second one, she lost to Sarah Del Rey. We all, we all know Sarah Del Rey. Uh, she was uh, a trainer with WWE for a but, while. Uh, she competed under her real name, Jessica McKay, in ROH. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, the, the thing is, right, so I actually, if you sit down and you listen to uh, Peyton Royce in an interview, I actually watched part of one that she just did with uh, Chris Fan's Leet. So if you um if you actually sit down and you listen to her talk and stuff like that, she's a very engaging, very um very well spoken, um very very entertaining, very very sweet person. It seems. Yep. Um, it's just, and I don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't. I, I never come on here with the intent to be an asshole. Um, but in terms of exclusive. But but in terms of her, uh, their uh, you know wrestling ability, I just I don't I don't see it. Okay. Okay. See, uh, I'm seeing a pattern here on this episode of Money Raw because. After I'm gonna, I'll tell you after after this last one. Then in the main event, it was Oscar defeating Bailey in twenty three twenty five. Well, I'm I'm not gonna complain about Oscar and Bailey. You know what I mean? I could I could watch those two. Yeah. Um, all, all day, every day for any for any reason. No. I think uh, I think I think those two plus Sasha Banks. Are the are the only bright spots in the entire uh, women's division, um, but you know it's just with with their obsession with only pushing uh, four women and sometimes Asuka, if you want to throw a fifth in there, that's not a that that's not a division. Okay, that is a that is a Zoom level focus on on very few competitors and that's not a division and they have the same problem with the tag team division it just it doesn't make for compelling television and and the other and the other thing is uh you know this was this was a uh, champion versus champion match right so yeah how how many champion versus champion matches are we going to see in 2020, I mean, because if if you, if you think about it, right? So in in past years, we've had fatal four ways and fatal five ways be a theme, and and you know, and this year it's champion versus champion matches. I mean, if you do them the right way, uh, you know, those matches have the potential to be very compelling. And and if you use them the right way in terms of storytelling and actually building characters, that's something that I'm into. I, it's just for me, these matches are put together for the sake of being put together, and there's really no logic behind them. And I don't like that. It it, it does a disservice to the product, and it does a disservice to the wrestlers. 
you know, they're just it it the the way professional wrestling is being booked by WWE is just god awful. I there's no other way to put this. None. Now here's the theme I was talking about. First two matches were singles matches. Then we had uh, three tag team matches in a row, and the last two were women match women's matches. <laughs> What's going on? Oh my god! Can we, can I mean can we break up the monotony of this motherfucking bullshit? <laughs> That's a terrible trend. Is it? It's a terrible trend. It's a terrible show. You know, it's just what in what in the hell is going on here? I can't wait to get to your review of SmackDown. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Well, well, I can I can already give you a heads up. Um, Father Elio is going to have to don his collar. Because we, because tell we, me your, tell me your sins, my son. <laughs> because we, sir, are going to confessional oh, during our SmackDown review. But before that, we're going to get into our review of NXT Great American Bash May 2, Ben. Two nights. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, match number one was Nia Yim and Candice LeRae in a street fight. I like this match. This was a good match. I didn't. And I'll, oh. tell you why. I'll tell you why. Why is that? Because I thought that several of, of the spots were very sloppy. Uh, and you know you could you could just see them uh, very uh, like very methodically getting into position for each spot, and it was just incredibly obvious. And the and the other and the other part that really pissed me off was when they were both on top of the table before um, before. Uh, Candace hit the um, last ride off the table. You know, they were they were going like shot for shot, and uh, Mia Yim had brass knucks on her hand, but yet she's punching Candace with the hand that doesn't have the brass knucks on it, and then and then Candace steals the brass knucks. And hits Mia before she before she hits the swinging neckbreaker for the for the pin. And that swinging neckbreaker off the table was absolutely sick. I love that part. But just you know why? Yeah, I like that part. But it's like why would you even you know bring the brass knocks into the into the situation if you're not at least. Going to try to use them on Candace if yep. you're 
if you're Mia Yim. So that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And, um, and Mia, I, I feel like, just didn't have her best match. Um, so, because I'm a big fan of Mia Yim, but this, this just didn't do it for me. Okay. Uh, next up, we had um, Bronson, Bronson Reed uh, versus, uh, oh, God, who? who? Tony Nese. But, but why? I mean, but <laughs> that, that's, that's my thing. You didn't like this match? No, no. Because and then neither did I actually. Because they they explain it via a pre-show match, and and it's just it it was so obvious that it was used as filler. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why I don't like that. And plus, Bronson Reed has too much potential to be getting used in throwaway matches like this. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And the entire reason that this match was had was because um, Bronson Reed got pissed off that Tony Nese disrespected Leon Ruff. Um, in what world um, would would Bronson Reed be bothered by the affairs of Tony Nese and Leon Ruff? And actually, I'm going to... I'm gonna bring something up here. Actually, um, I'm looking on ProfightDB.com. Yeah. Uh, the dark match was Tony Nese uh, defeating Leon Ruff. Yeah. Yes. And and so and so that's what spawned this match because uh, Bronson Reed got pissed off on behalf of Leon Ruff because Tony. <laughs> no, because Why? because he felt that Tony Nese was disrespecting him, so that's what led to uh, to this thing. My question is, why would Bronson Reed give a fuck? Well, that's why I said, but why? <laughs> uh, well, your guess is as good as mine. Um, after this match is over, we immediately get a uh, Mercedes Martinez teaser, uh, mm-hmm. and and she's going to be on tonight now. This is kind of like the reintroduction of Mercedes Martinez to NXT because, if you recall, uh, she was in the May Young Classic and she has been yep. and she has been on NXT uh, several times. So hopefully, hopefully now that some of the bigger names are on the main roster, she'll finally get the push that I feel she deserves because. Um, I've I've always been a uh, been a huge fan of Mercedes Martinez every time I've seen her. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I was not a fan of was nice. this Robert Stone and Aaliyah segment. Oh, so yeah. Robert Stone wants to sign Shotty Blackheart, <laughs> so they approach her while she's doing some maintenance work on her tank. <laughs> on the and if that sounds weird I'm not kidding she was doing maintenance work on the little miniature tank that she drives to the right who does work on their tank well, <laughs> well that's what that's what my question was but anyway so so um, you know Shotzi kind of brushes them off 
and doesn't want anything to do with it because because she calls the Robertson brand a dumpster fire, which I agree with. Um, and then uh, and then Sh- Shotzi got mad in in particular, or actually no, Stone got mad at her rejection and launched his cup of coffee off into space. Well, the space that it hit was the black hole known as Killian Bane, who got really pissed off and launched Robert Stone into the wall as if he was a rag doll. Oh. Um, <laughs> Robert Stone insists on shouting that he's dying, he's dying. It, it, it reminded me of the I'm melting, I'm melting, you know, uh, scene from The Wizard of Oz. That's how pathetic these uh, these things are. Uh, and then um, Shotzi ran over Robertson's leg in her tank. So she's literally, oh my God, it's just uh, it's terrible. Wow. God. It's like this is this is main roster type of nauseating. So then we finally get to a good match. Um, Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Johnny Gargano. Obviously Johnny Gargano was gonna win. Um, you know, so I had I have I had a little bit of an issue because because of the fact that it was so obvious to me that Johnny was going to win, um, be- because I'm a, I'm a real big fan of Swerve Scott. It's just uh, it's just when he's in when he's in this situation with um, with Johnny Gargano, it just the outcome becomes a foregone conclusion. Have, have, have you seen any of his other work? Um. Who? Who? Isaiah? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm a real big fan of his. I think he's great. He was uh, in MLW under uh, under Shane Strickland. Yeah. Well, and that's that's where I had heard of him. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but um. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited, and I'm hoping that this is a launching off point for Isaiah Swerve Scott because we, we already know, uh, you know, Johnny Gargano's got it made in the shade. And I was real, I was really happy that uh, Scott had a nice showing. Here. You know what, you know what I, like to, I like to know where they got the name Swerve <laughs> or how they came up with that. Yeah, because that's really cool. Um, so next up we had uh, – Bree Zongo and Drake Maverick. That's a weird combination. Yeah. Uh, versus Legato del Fantasma. And what and what's so interesting to me about this um, this trio is that they are they are really embracing the fact that they're spitting in the face of Lucha Libre tradition because. You know, we all we all know how important the mask is to Lucha Libre culture, yep. and for him to just voluntarily, uh, you know, take his mask off and morph into this new character that is Santos Escobar, um, it 
it's, it's well done by him, but it's also like good heel work because it makes me, as a Lucha Libre fan, hate it and I want to see him lose. Um, that's just me. Um, and the other thing, and the other part, and this is this is like the only part that maybe maybe it's maybe it's just me. Like I can, but I can see Raul Mendoza in in this thing, but I I can't see um, Joaquin Wild being in this group. Um, who would you have? Um, who who would I, who would I have? Um, well, I, I I I definitely don't have a problem with Raul Mendoza. Um, but I would have, I would have had, uh, I would have had somebody like, um, oh God, um, that, that's a, that's a, that's a tough decision because, you know, who, who else in NXT wrestles under a mask? Um, yeah, this is true. That, that is a hard I, one. I so it, it it would just be really hard, but but the reason why is it really hard for me to buy into Joaquin Joaquin Wild in this role is because I'm so used to seeing him as DJZ and I like yeah, right and what is but even as Joaquin Wild like what has he ever had to do with loosely Ray culture so it's it's kind of off putting to me. Um, but the match itself was good. Um, and then, uh, of course, we get the expected squash. Uh, up, upon the re-debut of uh, Mercedes Martinez, she squashes Santana Garrett in 2 minutes and 40 seconds. I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I was I, I was very disappointed by the main event here. Oh, okay. yeah, this is the one that I figured out what the hell his name is Malcolm Bivens uh, ruined, right? Well, well, and but here's the thing: you're not going to convince me that that wasn't done on purpose by NXT because nobody could possibly be that much of a dumb fuck as to spoil. Why would, they, why, why would they do that anyways? Like, what, what do they get out of that? I, I don't know. That's like freaking, that's like 1999 uh, style. Where, yeah. With uh, Bischoff ruining the, spoiling the raw results. And, and that's exactly what I thought of when I saw that. To a T, that is exactly what I thought of. I thought of mankind right off the bat. I really did. Um... <clears throat> But, um, you know, so this kind of goes into, um, into what I was talking about last week because I don't have a problem with Keith Lee winning this because in this situation, it was, it was the right call because obviously if, if Adam Cole beats Keith Lee, then his next move is going to be to Karrion Cross, right? And you're not going to have Karrion Cross lose to Adam Cole. It's just the the, the physical 
the physical differences and the character differences uh, don't um, don't add up to a compelling match, especially especially when Cross just be arguably the most dominant NXT male competitor uh, in his in history, being uh, Tommaso Ciampa. But um, you're um, so you're not going to have you're not going to have Cole uh, fed to uh, to cross that I, that I agreed with my my concern with with Keith Lee uh, even though this was the right call was I don't like having Keith Lee as a placeholder champion uh, until we get the title on cross I'm I'm not I'm not a fan of that so. I'm kind of stuck in the middle, uh, you know, between a rock and a hard place because, like, I really, really dig what they're doing with um, carrying cross. I, I, I mean, and I've, I've been a, I've been a fan of, of crosses since the first time I, you know, I saw him. Um, I, I mean. I, Outside of NXT, I, f- I forget where I forget the, the first time I saw him. Might have been Impact. Um, yeah, that's where he came from. Impact Killer Cross. Yeah, but you know, but I just I'm not really a fan of Keith Lee as a transitional champion. Okay. But ha- however, however, given the situation, you're you're not you're not going to have Cole get destroyed by by Cross after he just spent a year as the NXT champions. So from that perspective, I, I agree with the decision. Um, and, um, you know, overall, um, you know, and, and, and we'll get your take on this after you do the review of, of AEW, but overall I would have to say that I enjoyed NXT uh, uh, night two, much much more than I did. Um, fighter fest night two. <laughs> I, thought, yes. I, th- I thought I thought NXT had a much better show yep. in week two. So, um, but with that being said, and with the not so subtle, uh, with the not so subtle transition, we'll we'll toss it back over to Elio. Um, with his review of of AEW Fighter Fest. Before that, we are going to take a break. So we will be back shortly. Yeah, I need a Mountain Dew break. Okay, fans, we're back. We're going to get into AEW Fighter Fest. Because I'm TNT. I'm Dynamite. This Ben, this was a rather boring uh, show. <laughs> I, I agree. I, th- I thought um, I thought night one was was actually better. I didn't even get to watch this because uh, my this is the 
day that uh, my cable and internet went down. So I was at, I was at a friend's house across the street. We were invited for dinner, but uh, we left at like 9 p.m. So I didn't even get to watch the whole show. I only saw like first two matches. Well, um, well, I'd be I'd be interested to get your perspective. Um, It'd be good. I I did uh, go back and watch the whole show after. Okay, yeah. So you saw the um, the Jericho Orange Cassidy match. Yeah. Because I want to get your thoughts on that in particular. But okay, uh, so our first one is an AEW Tag Team Championship match. Adam Page and Kenny Omega defeating Private Party in 1034. What did you, you think of this match? Uh, this match was a good opener, but I enjoyed last week's match. Uh, but against the best friends, a lot better than this one. Yeah, um, you know, I, I see Private Party as having a lot of potential. Um, I, I, really, I really like this tag team. Um, and um, I'm actually surprised. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised that Private Party didn't get the tag team titles. What I'm surprised by is the fact that um, Paige and Omega have held on to the titles this year <laughs> because of how much they've been teasing the breakup. So, but, right. I, but I definitely see big things for a Private Party in the future. In the second match, uh, Lance Archer defeats Joey Janela. This match was better than I expected. He gave Janela a lot to work with here. Um, yeah, I, I would actually go as far to say that in terms of uh, in terms of AEW, this was the best Joey Janela match I've seen. Because um, um, to be quite honest with you, I, before AEW, I hadn't I hadn't really seen enough. Of Janela to form an opinion. No, we only see I, my, the first time I I really saw him was at All In. Yeah. <laughs> well, me too. And um, so I I wasn't really sure what to think of him. And, and I I'm not sure how much I like this pairing with him and Sunny Kiss. It just it comes off as very random to me. But yeah. uh, in terms of. Uh, in terms of the match with with Archer, he actually had a much better um, showing than than I thought. Now, and, oh, did, you, did you notice the referee? Jake was like, well, he was standing in the corner, but he was standing on the apron at the same time. But you notice the referee was trying to distract, uh, trying to strike Janela. And, no, sorry, Jake was trying to distract uh, Janela, and the referee didn't even turn around to look at it. He just uh, started counting. Yeah, it's you know it's just kind of weird. I mean, I I don't think Jake should be there. Period. Uh, right now, especially with this coronavirus, I kind of I kind of feel the same way about Ric Flair over on Raw. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of weird that they're there in that capacity when clearly it's like they're not needed. Yep. Um. So I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned about that. I'm also concerned about the about the the status of Lance Archer because to me, uh, since they um, you know since they stopped teasing this encounter with Cody, uh, you know, I think 
I think Lance has really, uh, really lost momentum uh, since he, since he lost the, uh, the TNT Championship Finals to Cody. Then we had Tony Schiavone in the ring, and Ben's best friend Taz had an announcement to make. Oh, boy. Ben, Taz, and his verbal diarrhea. I, I, I like Taz. No, get out. I like Taz. You shut the fuck up, you, <laughs> you, you bitch. Anyway. <laughs> so Taz comes out with Brian Cage, and he introduces the FTW belt. Yeah, and, and for because I was curious about this myself, um, so I looked it up. The reason why, um, the reason why AEW is allowed to use the FTW championship is because it was never trademarked by uh, Paul Heyman in ECW, so it was it was always owned by Taz. So my my understanding is that he's had it for the last twenty years. No, oh, well, he kept it in his closet or wherever he dug it out from. Go ahead. <laughs> I can see. I can see. I can see my co-host is ready to jump any minute. He's ready to jump down my throat. <laughs> no, 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 not necessarily because. You see, the reason why I think the FCW championship was a good move in, in this in this feud is because I at least at least right now I can't buy Brian Cage as the champion. To me, he hasn't done enough in AEW to establish himself as a badass. And the way to do that is by challenging Moxley, but obviously he's not going to win the match. So by having um, by having Taz anoint him as the baddest motherfucker in wrestling, and give him a belt to go into into his match with um, Moxley uh, next week, you know it kind of gives. Um, it gives Cage a little bit, a little bit of an extra rub going into the match. But th- that that being said, it's very obvious to me that uh, you know Moxley's not going to lose the the championship uh, right now. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I think I think Moxley's title run has been uh, greatly victimized by uh, world events with the coronavirus because if you if you um, think about it, so he had he had a big celebration and rang at double or nothing, and then and then he and then like right after that is when, um, right after that is when all the shit with the CV broke. So we, um, with the exception of the following Wednesday. On dynamite, you know, we haven't seen uh, John Moxley with the belt in front of the crowd. Um, so I think um, 
I think that he has definitely gotten screwed um, by this coronavirus. Not not to mention the fact that his wife tested positive for the damn thing. Um, he can thank WWE for their negligence on that one. Now, now yeah. um, next week he's fighting for isn't it, isn't it, isn't it like weird like. You split Firefest into two nights, and then right after you have another event. Well, well, in in my book, they had they they were kind of forced into a corner on that one because because of the fact that Cage and Moxley had to be delayed because yeah. of the of the positive CV test. Um, no, I mean, they were, they were going to have Fight for the Fallen on July 15th anyways, but I'm just saying, like, now that, now that it's actually here, it's like they're so close to each other. Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen. Um, well, yeah, and, and I, they might be uh, consolidating their pay-per-view uh, calendar a little bit uh, because of the CV issue, so. Oh, okay. All right, then we had an eight-man tag match with Pentagon with the Lucha Brothers and the Blade and the Butcher defeating FTR and the Young Bucks. I was really surprised by that. I I would not have anticipated that, but um, but then then again, it does it does add more fuel to the fire. Of of the rivalry between FTR and the Young Bucks, so maybe maybe I shouldn't have been as surprised by that as I was. And then we had Nyla Rose defeating Ken Z Page and Kylan King in a handicap match, and they gave this one two minutes and twenty seconds. Good, because if it had gone any longer, I would have fallen asleep. <laughs> And then afterwards, Ananda Rose took the mic and said that she has an announcement to make. She is going to assume that she's a manager, but she's not going to tell us who it is. She'll tell us when she feels like it. You know, I I just, I cannot get behind Nyla Rose. There's There's just something missing there. She's not a good wrestler, and I just, I can't buy it. Then we had the Dark Order and Cold Cabana defeating SCU. Now, Ben, what do you what do you, what do you think about this? Uh, where what do you think they're gonna go with this? Is Cold gonna become part of them or? Uh, I think so. Yeah, especially especially after that. I mean, you could see he was he was like uh, he was tripping around celebrating, but the, the Dark Order didn't join in, but they were kind yeah, of were. together. Yeah, they were very business like. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like the combination of um, Cloak Cabana and the Dark Order. It's just kind of weird. And um, to me, the whole Dark Order thing isn't landing. Uh, I, I liked it when, um, when Brody was revealed as the leader. I thought that that was a, that was a nice little swerve and a nice little touch. I'm like, hmm, this could work. Um, but I think I think the Dark Order was just too damaged from the beginning, okay. and I just I can't buy it now. Okay, and of course that brings us to our main event: Chris Jericho defeating Orange Cassidy. This was a good match. I like this match. Yeah, and um, 
and, you know, as I stated last week, it, it took me a really long time to get on board with Orange Cassidy because I just, I didn't understand the character. I'm, I'm all for comedy in the right places. I just, I didn't really understand his character and the, and the little uh, kicks and shit. I, I wasn't getting it. Um, but now, uh, now that he's been able to reveal a more serious side of himself, but still mix that comedy in, but show us that he can really wrestle uh, outside of the gimmick-related stuff. Um, it, he's been impressing me. So Orange Cassidy definitely won me over with this one. You know, um, this is not in the spotlight. I'm just looking up uh, stats on Orange Cassidy. See where else he was. And he has competed for Shikara and WrestlePro as well as uh, Smash Canada and ROH. He was in ROH as well. Oh, I didn't know that. I know, I know Chikara is out of business now. Let me, let me take a look at the ROH, though. ROH Unity, 2000, April 28, 2012, is the latest. Uh, he competed under the name Fire Ant. And uh, along with Green Ant and Soldier Ant, defeating Adam Cole, Jay Lethal, and TJ Perkins. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Almost as interesting as, as my uh, my neighbors f- uh, firing off fireworks right now a week after the 4th of July. <laughs> What's going on? What? And, and, and they're doing this as I'm trying to record a podcast, the dumb fucks. Oh, now, hold on, Ben. Check this out. The, the Okay, so he competed as Fire Ant. However, the first listing I have is ROH taping number eight from June 20, 2009, Eddie Kingston defeating Orange Cassidy. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a really big fan of Eddie Kingston. I, uh, I, I love, I, I just have a soft spot for him because I really like his work. So that is our review AEW Fighter Fest. I'm going to throw it back over to Ben for Friday Night Smackdown. Oh boy. Are you ready? Before I jump into this, Elio, I have to, I have to give you a warning. Okay. In all fairness, I am going to get, I am just going to go off. Okay. Number one. So batten down the hatches, and number two, I need Father Elio to show up uh, with his collar and be prepared to go to confessional because I have some questions. PNC exclusive. Um, and those questions are going to be directed directly and very forcefully at Father Elio because I need, <laughs> I need assistance. <laughs> I, Go ahead. 
I need I need mental assistance <laughs> after what I was forced to witness on behalf of the of the betterment of this podcast this week because tell, tell me your sins, my son. We are here. Therapy is in session. Well, because let me explain something to you. I don't think I have ever seen a worse SmackDown episode in my entire life. Oh my goodness. This was an absolute travesty. Um, let me let me pull this up uh, so we can we can get the rant going. Um, and and the, the first the first thing that I have to say, and I hate to curse at, at a priest. I really do. I'm not that kind of fella. Um, but what in the blizzarding blue branded fuck? What? Was what? That? <laughs> what? 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 We need a t-shirt with that on. With that written on it. Let me slow that down so you can appreciate the artistry of my wordplay. What in the blizzarding blue-branded fuck was that? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So, so the the first segment of of this shit show is Ms. TV with a special guest that is Jeff Hardy. Okay. And yeah. Oh, I thought you said something. I'm sorry. No, I said um, go ahead. Oh, so um. So yes, they, they introduced Jeff Hardy, and and pretty much uh, this just turns into an absolute hatchet job. Um, they said that um, that um, Jeff has inspired many people. He's a daredevil who battles his demons one day at a time, and he's a trailblazer. And they put an, an emphasis on the word blaze. Referencing his drug use in the past, um, for, for, uh, and uh, trust me, that's not that's not the worst of it. it so Jeff comes out, and uh, and he he wants to apologize for Morrison, who just said that, um, and he. And then he tosses it to Jeff to show them a clip, but Jeff doesn't have the clip. So th then they, it's determined that they have this clip. They had a whole argument over over who had the footage, and they use the word clip a thousand times. I'm like, fuck off this night, and well, anyway, said clip was was uh, revisiting the history of this. Jeff Hardy versus Seamus Feud, which has just been an absolute clusterfuck the size of the ice capades. Uh, now, <clears throat> let me let me expl explain something to you. Um, because I hate this storyline with a passion that I just can't explain. Okay? I... 
I hate it when somebody's real life struggles are used in a storyline to this capacity. And so far, uh, so far, a real life recovering alcoholic has been has been portrayed as relapsing and and having a DUI. He has been um, he has been f- forced to come face to face with alcohol in a toast slash bar segment. Um, you know he. What are they doing? What what I don't see a redemption in this storyline for Jeff. I really don't. I don't see the point of it. But but that's just that's just me uh, bringing up points from past past shows. But let's um. But let's continue with this segment here. So, um, it, Jeff says, you know, if you don't stop, you know. Uh, you know, with your uh, with your insults, you're gonna. I'm gonna break something, and then and then Miz, and then this is the part that really pisses me off, Uh-oh. because uh, Miz says that his daughter's favorite superstar is Jeff Hardy, but but she doesn't want him and. She, but he doesn't want her to emulate Jeff because of all of his demons and his alcoholism and all of that. And at, at this point in time, Elio, I could have very, very happily flipped off the television screen. As in, fuck you, because that is just so, un, that is so unbelievably unnecessary. How in the fuck... Does this advance the storyline in any credible fashion? They are they are burying this man who is fresh out of rehab, and you know I'm and I don't at this point I don't even care, even if Jeff says he's okay with it. There are just there's there's right and there's wrong, and for a company that is so self righteous as WWE in terms of always trying to convince themselves that they're doing the right things by the fans and by the wrestlers. This is just complete bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, so this whole, um, this whole segment is really um, pissing me off. And then, um, so the, the segment ends with, Jeff demanding a match with with either The Miz or John Morrison. So The Miz uh, takes him up on the offer. Um, Oh, 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 but I got to go back. I got to go back. So it was... So in addition to um, that little gripe about his daughter, uh... The Miz, the Miz and Morrison suggest that Jeff battle Sheamus in a bar fight. To which, to which I can only respond that I would have to believe that this match is going to be taking place in a bar 
in in some capacity, and um, it's going to end with alcohol being poured all over a recovering alcoholic. Um, to which I have to say, fuck you, and fuck WWE for this. Uh, and I I I mean that wholeheartedly. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I don't know who finds this funny. I don't know who finds this entertaining. I don't know. I don't know who thinks that this is good for the product or good for SmackDown or good for Jeff Hardy. What the fuck are they doing? Mm-hmm. I have no. I have no patience for this whatsoever. Um. <clears throat> so then, then we have then we have the match and. Uh, and Jeff wins after after reversing a roll up after uh, Seamus tries to distract him by popping up on the Titantron, drinking a Guinness and toast and toasting to Jeff Hardy's and his upcoming bar fight. You know what the what in the fuck was this? <sighs> Can, I mean, can you explain to me what purpose did this serve? This was terrible. It, it, it was just, it's an atrocity. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to get self-righteous and whatever and stuff like this. And, and you know, or make it about myself. And, and I should reveal to, to, to the fans in, in the context of this, segment and why I'm reacting like this. Um, w- one, I don't drink. Uh, and, and two, th- there's also, um, th- there's also, you know, some, some alcoholism uh, that, that runs in, in my family too. So th- this just kind of pisses me off a little bit. Um, so th- that's why, that's why I'm getting so, uh, so heated with with this particular run, especially when uh, when the man just got out of fucking rehab, you know, and 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 they want to book this storyline as his fucking redemption. What the fuck are they doing? But any, anyway, uh, let's get on to some to something else before the the vein pops out of my neck. Um. <clears throat> So we have Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Oh boy! How many times more times are we going to see this? Okay, now the match I don't have an issue with, but here's what here's what I do have an issue with. Nikki Cross. <laughs> well, that too, but there, we already knew what what the result of this match was going to be before it happened because there's a tag team title match happening on Raw next week that was already taped. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we so we knew what was gonna happen in this match and and how and how that was an oversight and how this match was allowed to be on uh, given that that was already gonna be the case on Monday Night Raw where Sasha Banks and Billy were gonna be defending the titles. Um, who doesn't pick that up? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, did, did did someone have a little bit have a little bit too much uh, fun the previous evening and forget to look over at the script? Um, 
and then we we get into uh, into more history between Bray Wyatt and uh, and Braun Strowman explaining their upcoming uh, upcoming uh, slump fight match at uh, at the hor- the horror show at Extreme Rules. Um, and 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 just just as just as a little sidebar on this on this thing here, how many times this week between Raw and SmackDown have we heard the phrase "the horror show" at Extreme Rules? How many fucking times are they gonna say that? I'm gonna go back and count. I'm gonna take a drink every time they say that. <laughs> Well, well, then you you better be you better be prepared to be drunk as fuck. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I think you're I think you're gonna be dr- drunker than an '80s cover band. <laughs> so as I was as I was telling Elio before we uh, briefly paused to avoid the. Uh, the podcast having to die for the evening uh, via a battery shortage. If um, Elio was telling me that he was going to go back and count how many times um, that the horror show at Extreme Rules was said during this show and on and on Raw earlier this week, and I, I told him, and I still believe this, if that were the case, he'd be drunk as fuck. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how well you can hold your liquor, but you're definitely going to get tested on that theory. Uh, All right. <laughs> if that's the case. Um, <clears throat> so uh, af- after this, we have um, we have a. I was I was confused as to whether or not this was a match or a, or a segment. It says that it was a match, but I was like, okay. "Well, it was a match that came out of the segments." Okay, yeah. So it it was it was supposed to be like a Firefly Funhouse. Oh, into... oh, oh! I thought you were talking about the karaoke. He wants to end this part. No, it, it, I I'm guessing it was a Firefly Funhouse that turned into a match, um, because. Uh, why it goes to hug Braun at the start of the match? I don't know why. Oh uh, wait, wait, wait! Uh, they they showed um the the match money in the bank. Oh uh, okay okay so I don't know they, why I don't know why I, they did that. That was a waste. Uh, okay. Okay, well, th- that's why I was getting thrown off. Okay, so yeah, uh, it was. I don't, it I don't was, know why they would show that. What a waste. Well, I, I, ha- I have no idea because they're lazy as hell. That would be my thought. So that that's why I got confused. My bad. I, I forgot that they were rehashing stuff from Money in the Bank. Stupid. <laughs> so then, you know, as, as if um, as if my evening couldn't get any worse with a rerun. Uh, but, it, but it did <laughs> because we have a Karaoke contest between several of the female, what are now being called WWE superstars. But believe me, people, uh, this was very diva-esque in its presentation, and it was uh, physically painful to witness. 
Now, so we who, have, who are the participants? Yes. We had Lacey Evans, Dana Brooke, Tamina, and Naomi. What did he? What did each person sing, or did you catch that? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm getting to that. Oh boy, I'm getting to that. I'm curious. So keep in mind that Jay Uso was hosting this, so he has familial connections to two of the. Why? 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 Why is he hosting this? I don't know. I guess. I guess. I guess. I guess because he hosted the. Um, the rap battle with Wale um, a, a while back. I don't know what you're asking me to, to make sense of what WWE does, and I can't do it. So anyway, <clears throat> the the auditory torture begins with Lacey Evans singing "With My Baby Tonight." Oh no, she did not. Oh, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> oh, this, I mean, this is bad when Road Dogg and Jeff Jarrett were singing it, and uh, now I have now I have to listen to Lacey Evans sing it. Uh, kill me now, but before before my wish could be fulfilled, Dana Brooke, looking like a leather dominatrix or something, I don't know what the hell she was wearing. She sings the honky tonk man. No, oh, no. <laughs> uh, which, which makes me never want to hear that song ever again as long as I live. Oh, <laughs> my God. And then it gets worse. Believe you me, it gets worse. Next up, we have Tamina singing Triple H's theme. No! Come on! No! (laughs) This is terrible. Um, I'm I'm laughing to keep from crying, ladies and gentlemen. That's the best way I know how to make it through this part of the show. (sighs) After that pain was over, uh, she got cut short just like Dana did by Jay Uso because clearly there was some favoritism being shown to Naomi. Oh, uh, really? Uh, I, I thought it was because they can't sing. Well, well, that argument could be made as well. Um, <clears throat> but then we have Naomi singing the entire rendition of the American Dream. I heard about this one. And it was physically fucking painful. I bet it wasn't for Jay, though. I bet he was like, oh, yay, that was so good. Well, so remind me, is Naomi married to Jay or Jimmy? Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, Okay. So, yeah, Jay had had to play favorites to his sister-in-law. So I, I get that. What, but this is this entire segment was absolute shit. God help me. So this actually this actually led into a match between Naomi and Lacey Evans. Kill me now. And so apparently Lacey is a heel again. 
For what reason I can only I can't even, I can't even venture a guess, Elio. I just you know I can't no, that even... that was that wasn't a question. I'm telling you, at least he's like heal again for some strange reason. Fuck being senseless with a pitchfork. Ow. <laughs> because because this that would be less painful than watching this segment. <laughs> Um, let's see. So then the main event uh, was a tag team title match between A New Day and Cesaro and Shinsuke, which ended in a no contest because, because uh, Kofi ended up being put through a table by uh, Cesaro, which... You know, and I, and I and I know this is going to be a stretch and difficult for you to understand, but this this is because they're going to be involved in a tables match at the pay per view for the tag team titles. How original! I don't Did know. Why, I don't even know why they have tag team championships when they don't even like tag team wrestling in WWE. Bravo. You, you you bring up a fantastic point. At the very least, if you're going to keep a tag team division, at least merge the two and only keep one tag team title belt. We don't we don't need two tag team divisions because it they suck. You know, and and luckily after after this, my my pain ended. Um, uh. But remember, remember how in, in weeks past, Elio, I've I've said that the site that I used to to do the rundowns for these shows um, give criminally high ratings to, to WWE programming. Well, even they agreed with us that this match was atrocious <laughs> because they only ranked this show a three. <laughs> wow. Now, now I perhaps perhaps this is just me being passive aggressive, but even that I think is a little too high. I would have ranked it a one point five. Um, oh my god! Oh, we we made it through. <laughs> but somehow, some way, I made it through the SmackDown review, and I think it was somewhat entertaining to hear my. My exaggerated uh, antics that I had to use to make it entertaining. Nice. Uh, and with with that being said, that that wraps up our weekly coverage, and we will go from re- reviewing one bad show to another horrible pay per view. Very ready to fire up the DeLorean. Yes, and but before we do, I have to ask. I have to state that I'm doing this under protest because, <laughs> because we are going back to 1999's Bash at the Beach. And ladies and gentlemen, I have to apologize in advance because this match card and this card in general sucked. Well, we could, well, we could always uh, switch it to uh, Benchance 2004. No, no, we're we're already we're already emotionally no, invested. Hold on. hold on, hold on. Before we go on, I did a little bit of homework last week. 
Oh God. So Great American Bash 2004. That was yes, that was um the PvP where Undertaker killed killed Paul Bearer. Yeah, I uh yeah, I I was I was almost positive. No, no, be, before we do one, can you explain the like story behind that? Because at this time I was busy with school, so I wasn't really watching much. Um <clears throat> Okay, well, um, well, we we know that uh, that the Dead Man version of the Undertaker returned at uh, WrestleMania twenty. Yeah. And and then um, and then if if memory serves me correctly, um, they. Um, he, uh, if memory serves me correctly, uh, Paul Bear had, had done something to screw um, Undertaker, uh, leading it, leading into uh, this this match at, at the Great American Bash, okay. uh, revolving around the urn. Oh, okay. And I could be wrong, but I I think. I think it had something to do with Undertaker's parents, um, so so that's why that's why he ended up uh, burying Bear in cement. Oh, okay. Uh, right. I would ha- I would have to do uh, more research as to that, but as far as I can, remember- because I know in '98 uh, when uh, Paul Bear was trying to get uh, Undertaker to join uh, Vader. He threatened to tell everyone about uh, like Undertaker setting the family house on fire. Yeah, well, or the or the, or the funeral parlor or something like that on fire. Yeah, and um, let me let me actually, you know, I'm I'm kind of curious now, so um, I'm gonna look something up. Why don't you uh, why don't you lead us off into uh, the Bash at the Beach 1999 while I'm doing that? on-the-fly research. We are going to go back to Sunday, July 11th, 1999. We are at the National Car Rental Center in Sunrise, Florida for Bash at the Beach. WCW Bash at the Beach with 13,624 in attendance. Bobby Heenan, Mike Tanay, Tony Schiavone on commentary. And in the dark match, we had C.G. Afi and Jeremy Lopez defeating Jimmy Howard and Jet Jaguar, four no-names that I'm sure power plant students. But, uh, oh, go on. Yeah, I mean, this match already seemed like it sucks. And this was a dark match, so it must have been on the, the pre-show if they even had one in the CW. Our opening match has Ernest Miller defeating Disco Inferno in eight minutes and seven seconds. Oh, oh God. 
I don't know, Ernest Miller. Um, so this was, I wasn't really a big fan of either. So moving on to the second, we had a WCW World Television Championship match. The champion Rick Steiner defeating Van Hammer in 451. Oh my God! And I, ne I never really like. I never liked Van Hammer. Uh, he was just he was terrible. Especially yeah, the Ravens Flock version of his. The Ravens Flock version of Van Hammer was even worse. Oh God! From one championship match, we move on to the next with the United States champion. David Flair defeating Dean Malenko in three minutes and five seconds. How, what? Is, how, how does what? that work? I'm, I'm sorry. My, my ears mm. must not have been working properly. What? David Flair defeating Dean Malenko in three minutes. What the hell? I'm, I'm in an alternate universe of hell. <laughs> <laughs> then we had an elimination match. With Brad Armstrong, Conan, Rey Mysterio, and Swole defeating the West Texas Rednecks, made up of Barry Windham, Bobby Duncan Jr., oh. Kurt Hennig, and Kendall Windham. <laughs> Why? Why would, Why would anyone subject themselves to this? Now, from that, we move on to. A hardcore trophy junkyard invitational match. Wait, wait, say that again. A, a hardcore trophy junkyard invitational match, which was won by Fit Finley when he defeated Brian Nobbs, Cyclope, <sighs> David Taylor, Hardcore Hack, Horace, Hugh Morris, Jerry Lynn. Johnny Grunge, Rocco Rock, Mikey Whipwreck, La Parka, Silver King, and Steven Regal. And they oh gave this my one fucking game. Christ. <laughs> they gave this one 13 minutes and 50 seconds. Oh my God in hell. From there, we, from there, we had a WCW World Tag Team Championship match, a three-on-two handicap match, the Jersey Triad, Bam Bam Bigelow, Chris Canyon, and Diamond Dallas Page defeating the revolution made up of He Who Will Not Be Named and Perry Saturn. Oh my God. And I don't know on, in what world or what universe this happens, but our next match has Buff Bagwell defeating Roddy Piper in 36 seconds. Oh my God. Okay, so wait a Okay, I, I, need, I need help okay. wrapping my head around this. Okay. No, no, it, it, sound, it sounds like we're having fun. But but really really I'm not I'm I'm being very very serious here. Now I do not understand how in the hell on on the same card we had David Flair beating Dean Malenko, and then and then we we have uh what what was it done. Hang on, what did, you, what did you say? Buff, oh, buff, oh, yes. Buff Bagwell defeating Roddy Piper. Buff Bagwell defeating Roddy Piper. 
I can't believe I just said those two sentences out loud. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I have to, let me, let me, let me smell my, my uh, Mountain Dew just to make sure it wasn't, it wasn't tainted. With now, some, now, this with some was acid or something. Th this was a second last match on the card because we now move on to the main event, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship match. Randy Savage and Sid Vicious defeating defeated Kevin Nash and Sting. So I'm not sure, I'm not even sure how that works because it says WCW World Heavyweight Title match. With Kevin Nash going in as the champion. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not sure how that works. But, I mean, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, this this pay-per-view. Okay, hold, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. So, um, um, okay, so I'm actually, I'm actually reading the, descri the description of um, some of these matches as, as you're going down. And uh, I gotta tell you, this is uh, this is really uh, disturbing stuff for me. <laughs> because okay, okay, so this is this is the this is the explanation that's that's being given for for the, the main event, right? So I'm just gonna read this out loud. Okay, it, it says. Michael Buffer claims the challengers are two men who could care less about title belts. Well, that should get the match over, shouldn't it? I kind of, I kind of agree. Why are we having a title match when nobody gives a fuck? Um, that, that, that's a good idea. Um, and then, so, so then some, somebody, uh, so, somebody pontificates that Macho Man must be a, a Mormon because he is pissed off that one of his three women are li are leaving. What? Uh, 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 yeah, that that's the justification uh, leading into this match because Macho Man, Macho Man came to the ring with Medusa, uh, Miss Madness, and Gorgeous George. Mm -hmm. So they comp they compare him to a Mormon who's pissed off at one of his uh, lovers leaving. This is just what the fuck is this? God damn! You know, because uh, I re I remember watching WCW at this time, and I I mean now granted I was eleven here. Uh, so I, clearly I didn't have my eye as to what was uh, quality professional wrestling at the time, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I will ever get over the emotional scar that David Flair owns a victory over Dean Malenko <laughs> and Buff fucking Bagwell owns a victory over Roddy Piper. What in the hell? And, 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 and I'll tell you something else. This main event here is like r raw 2020 level logic. Because, because just a few weeks ago, we saw uh, Drew McIntyre 
and um, and our truth put their titles on the line in the, in, in the same tag team match against MVP and Bobby Lashley. So clearly, um, clearly, Mr. Vince uh, has, uh, and I, I say that on purpose because I'm being an asshole because Vince doesn't know, doesn't know good booking anymore. So I say that on purpose. Um, <clears throat> clearly, he was watching uh, WCW pay-per-views from 1999 when he made that booking decision. Holy shit. Do <laughs> you have anything else to add before this this show goes off the air? No, I'm I'm actually quite disturbed by this uh, <laughs> results. So fuck WCW. I think I, I think I need to go pray at the altar of Slaughter. Oh <laughs> I think uh, when you say we bring this show to a close for the week. Absolutely. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Elio. He's Ben. This has been the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. We will talk to you all next week. Ben, say goodbye to the fans. I apologize to you for putting you through that, but I very much appreciate you and your uh, patronage to our podcast. And, uh, and we will continue to try our best to entertain you through the endless crab storm that is professional wrestling nowadays. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Been searching in the dark, sweat soaking through the floor. And buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind, and all that was real is left behind. Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you. It's only this moment, don't care what comes after. Your fever dream, can't you see? Getting closer, just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over. Yeah.